Welcome, Radio Land. This is Zan Marsh. You have uncovered the very special Avian Paragraph After Dark talk show in 3D stereo. Now, unfortunately, this is the first time we've utilized this technology, and although I am a capable hard worker, some side effects due to the recording process will be experienced. This is simply a warning to those of you who do not, who are not in the know. But with that disclaimer out of the way, you are now able to proceed with us to Witten's Road for AP After Dark. Please enjoy. Avian Paragraph is brought to you by Doors Sheds, Pacific Thought Foods, and Borzoi Books. I'm seeing, uh, you know, city lights twinkling, you know, twinkle, twinkle, little star was a, uh, see all they told little children back in uh, their bedroom years, but this is kind of a twinkle, twinkle, little star situation, but it's further away and there aren't stars, there are lights of the city, which is kind of interesting. You don't see city lights every day. It's cold out, there's wind blowing, which, you know, it'd be unusual. Um, so, Tim, you want to go ahead and you record? Sure. I'll and then I'll record as well from up here. Keep the car running? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah oh, definitely. Going. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, like, this this will be good, too, because that way I can capture you guys on a separate channel because you're back there. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. So it'll... So, you record on the canopy. Yeah, you can, you can, I'll sync them up so it can really be anytime. Well, we'll do your, Sim, let me know when you're recording. It's gonna be a little loud here. Great, we gotta, we gotta sync. This is Zan Marsh dialing on your earbuds for yet another avian paragraph. Tonight on AP After Dark, we are on Wiggins Creek Road near Olympia, Washington. It is a deceptively dark night, and yet we are out on the prowl to find what we would call an elusive being, the owl, as I, I say. I call him that, actually, unfortunately. Well, fortunate for some. But seriously, on tonight's show, we go out to go see what goes bump in the night. And as we deal with that, it's kind of something we're going through together. And don't be scared, don't be shy, tuck yourself in because it's gonna be a while. You're gonna be there for a little bit. And um, we're gonna deal with the latest in birding news. We talked to an Arctic turn expert, actually. The guys have been talking to me, uh, telling me we gotta get to, to talking about this bird. Everybody's been talking about Arctic turn. They wanna hear more about it. I said, yeah, let's do it. And here we are, we're doing it. And uh, I go into the latest bird book find from my um, collection of bird books. And I'm joined today, actually today's an unusual because usually we have a three-person day, but today's a four-person day. I'm Zan Marsh, of course. Uh, join with me as always, Martin Salinas. Doing just great, Zan. That's good, that's good. I'm glad you joined. And um, I heard that you may have uh, run into some interesting birds lately. Is that true? Or? You know, Zan, not a, not a day goes by in my life that I would say I don't run into interesting birds. Um, but since we've last been together, I've run into some truly spectacular birds. I look forward to telling our viewers all about them. 
We'll get to that. We'll get to that. Um, and then, of course, we have uh, Timothy Lequi, as always, Burning Crow. How you doing? Hey, it's uh, it's a pleasure to be here, Dan. It's a pleasure to it's a pleasure to have you here, Tim. And then, honestly, this is um, pretty unprecedented. These are unprecedented times, as they say. Uh, we actually have Sylvia Pacioli in the studio. Sylvia, uh, welcome to the program. Hello, Dan. Uh, thank you. Well, um, hopefully we'll talk to you a little bit more about why you're here, what you're doing here. and I'm, We're just excited to have you. I'm sorry, what was that? I look forward to it. That, all right. I do too. So quite, we're, we're off to a good start. And with that, here we go once again. Uh, so we're here doing the news roundup. Martin, uh, I've been talking to you about the news roundup lately. It's kind of an unusual thing. I will say we're in Martin's car right now. It was too cold outside. I said, let's go in into a vehicle, put your heat up. Not too good for the environment though, Martin. So honestly, you got a bit of a gas guzzler here. What are your feelings on that? Well, Zen, we are running the car off of battery right now, not actually running the gas. So I would say that while it's, you know, maybe not the best for the environment, um, the engine is, is idling, though. The engine's idling. So. That was, uh, I believe, I believe you were the person who asked for us to be in the car. Well, I was cold. So, I mean, Tim, can you, uh, you were cold too. I mean, you were. Oh, yeah, it was cold. It was um, cold out there. But yeah, that engine, edging, I think you can hear it probably in the recording. It's certainly idling. Yeah. So it's AP after dark, but we're in the safety of the vehicle. So keep that in mind. And with that, we're going to go into news roundup. So, uh, Round one of the news roundup in the AP After Dark edition. Uh, turns out instead of the Eagles being top rockers, perhaps the Zebra Trenches should be. I wrote that instead of the Eagles being top rockers, perhaps the Zebra... I'm not sure what that means. I wrote that earlier. Um, 70 birds actually played guitar in Montreal Museum of Fine Arts. Uh, this actually comes to us back from November 2015, so it's not breaking news, though it is news. Um, and if, if you haven't had a chance to see that since, uh, I believe it was an art installation, uh, if you haven't had a chance to check that out, I'm just going to go ahead and put myself out there and say that I, I recommend it. I highly recommend checking out uh, these zebra finches playing guitars. Uh, I, you know, uh, I enjoyed watching it. Unfortunately, the viewers won't be able to. I know that you did enjoy back in November of 2015. Um, on your trip to Montreal, I remember you telling me about that. But this uh, was that was the 19th time you did this installation. He's actually not uh, doesn't have plans to do it again as of yet. So um, this artist uh, did capture sparrows for the first version. He captured them actually, and then took them in and uh, forced them uh, forcibly had them do the guitar. So again, uh, Martin, there is the environment to consider. So I'll have you keep that in mind. Um, and then also. Uh, uh, I have a direct quote from the artist. If you want to understand a creature, then you have to interact with it. Here I am not using the birds, I am collaborating with them. Uh, Tim, any thoughts on collaborating with the birds as opposed to using them? Well, uh, no, I don't, I don't know how you would exactly collaborate with the birds. I imagine they would, you know, be quite frightened by your presence. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I will say that, you know, I, I listened to um, or listened and watched to the Zebra Finches playing guitar video. And I mean, personally, I'm a, you know, I'm a I'm a huge ambient music fan. Um, yeah. And I, I really wish, you know, that 
there was some sort of, you know, recording of those Finches playing the guitar on, you know, uh, some of the music streaming services, because, yeah, I have to say, it's hearing the music that those birds were producing, it's right up there with, uh, you know, Brian Eno, Philip Glass, mm. you know, and it, uh, Glenn Bronca, even, like, I... Sure. God's would you, Black Emperor. Yeah, I would put it right up there with, you know, some of the finest ambient artists. Mike Taylor actually turned me on to that. I had a pair of pants, Taylor, uh, earlier this week. And for those who, who uh, uh, aren't uh, able to kind of picture what, what is going on here, I would just like to take a moment to say that you can imagine um, a typical kind of art gallery space and um, a number of guitars sort of sitting on piano stands parallel to the ground that have... Um, uh, maybe been loaded with uh, Burden Buffet, a variety of... Uh, sure, I like how you incorporate that Burden Buffet. Yeah. And, and so the birds are attracted to land on, on both the fretboards and near the, the pickups. And if I'm not mistaken, uh, those were some interesting pickups. I mean, I think I saw sets of two pickups on those guitars, which, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that's pretty unusual. Yeah, there's a, usually an input and an output on a guitar as far as I'm aware. So we, we will uh, remember that. But then also, I think what you're saying does have some merit to it. So definitely. Um, Sylvia, actually, this question is for you. He also attempted a percussion version of the show, which was not successful. Any thoughts? Well, then, I, I'm not too familiar with this video that you're talking about. But in as far as a collaboration, that you were mentioning, I, I think that, uh, you know, it's it's possible uh, on a daily basis, we, we, I believe we collaborate with nature just in our interactions with it. So, uh, you know, maybe they didn't put enough of the bird buffet on the percussion instruments. That would be my guess. An interesting perspective from an interesting person, which is why I brought you on the show. Thank you so much for that input. Next on the birding news. This is an interesting one. The Hawaiian crow extinct in the wild again. Martin, any thoughts? Uh, you know, Zen, we'll just wait and see. I think for me, it, it was extinct, went unextinct, came back in, and now it's back out. I'm going to say that um, I think the science is still out on this one. Mm. Now, when I was researching this story, I Googled the Hawaiian crow, and interestingly, a question popped up in Google. Uh, you know, they have questions that come up after you put something in. It was a simple and profound question. It was, what is happening to the birds? And that's a question I want to pose to both our listeners and just the world at large. What is happening to the birds where we have these birds like a Hawaiian crow? I mean, I'm not trying to, to come out and berate anybody, but what is happening to Tim? What is happening to these birds? Well, you know, in the case of the Hawaiian crow, you know, it is an island species and of course, island species deal with the problem of scarcity which just makes them so much more susceptible to stochastic events that you know could potentially lead to extinction you know dealing with invasive species uh, other invasive birds invasive plants that have you know changed the landscape um, habitat fragmentation urbanization so they you know on a place like hawaii they really have everything working against them um, and you know, good food over a lot there, of the, a lot of the world species diversity occurs from these small island populations. You know that have uh, you know branched off and evolved after you know 
hundreds of years of isolation. Yes, and also actually the the, the, the question what is happening to the birds also was answered on Google, and it was uh, said something interesting I hadn't heard of that came up actually. North America is facing what 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 is claimed to be avian apocalypse, and um, actually since 1970, we've lost 29 percent of all birds. I'm not just talking about crows, pigeons, um, all birds. And Zan, I think you really, uh, in that you get to why we do this show. Um, when you say what is happening with all the birds, um, you know, you, so, some people, I think it's the Washington Post says democracy dies in darkness. I'm going to say that birds die without avian paragraph. I'm just wondering, because I've heard things about birds having a small magnetic piece of magnet in their brain. What is happening that these birds are getting lost so frequently? They've literally disappeared. So there's a little bit of darkness, but a glimmer of hope because perhaps the birds can be found. It would be quite the story if we did indeed find um, these birds you're talking about going missing. Now, the, the, the only thing, only problem I have with that, Zan, is that I have not ever heard of people reporting just birds missing other than maybe pet birds, like a, 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 a caged, um, maybe a caged pet. Uh, and so I wonder if you could just say a little bit more about these missing birds, because I don't think that that is a uh, occurrence with wild populations. I'm just quoting what the Nets told me, so that's all I, all I can say on that. Yes. Any, any, uh, do you want to weigh in on this? These uh, kind of supposed kind of milk box stories that kind of picturing a, a wild bird on the back of a milk box. Have you seen this bird? Uh, that, that I'm assuming would just be a pet, not wild birds. I think what you're describing is a, a great idea for a uh, advocacy campaign uh, spreading the word about the problem of declining bird populations. Mm, maybe on your favorite coffee, your favorite shade-grown uh, bag of coffee, you could highlight a species that uh, is in decline, but you're actually helping with your shade-grown coffee. Yeah, say, you could say something like uh, missing. 29% of all wild North American birds. I just wonder if these scientists, quite frankly, have been unable to tell different birds apart. Birds do look relatively similar, particularly birds of the same species. And so perhaps they're miscounting, they're losing sight of one bird and they think it's the same bird. They could be counting more of these birds. I know that that doesn't contribute to having a lower amount of birds, but it could be at play. Sure, I think that you bring up an excellent point, Zan. And um, if we, you know, this goes right back to the, the, the breeding grounds for these scientists, the colleges, and, and are these ornithology programs adequately funded to be churning out the kinds of high quality scientists uh, that we used to see coming out of, of course, Cornell, um, or um, even places like Yale School of Forestry? Sylvia, anything to add? Well, you know, Zen, it's a possibility that these birds don't want to be found.
and we're back. Thanks for joining us. So let's get down to the brass tacks. This episode, when we're out after dark, we're going to not take things as we would in the daytime. Things are a little different after, after, after hours. I mean, you're not going to get the same language. Um, the sensors aren't here. So uh, take your seatbelt off. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna be accelerating at a high clip, okay? So um, pretty much we're here owling. Is that right? Um, yeah, that is right. We are indeed uh, kind of in the midst, the the nexus, the center, the vortex of owling, which is here in the capital forest. Uh, there are a lot of trees. Uh, is this a what would you call it? Arboreal climate? No, Zan. No. Uh, but I would call it a forest. This is a working forest. Um, uh, kind of a, a little, a little bit of a shame that we're driving past a number of maybe clear cuts. Uh, what is an arboreal uh, climate? Tim, you can take this one. An arboreal climate. To be honest, and uh, I, uh, I don't, not quite sure. That's, that's a term that. Uh, I think you may be confusing boreal forests and arbor, the word arbor, like arbor yeah. day. Maybe kind of doing a little jamming of those two together. Word fusion is something very popular nowadays. They should think about potentially working those two in arboreal... They do say languages living. Yeah, so uh, something to consider. Yeah, that one's just, you know, maybe hasn't been born yet. You did mention this is a working forest, and um, we should mention to our listeners, we've been in touch actually with John Triangelo Barksdale. Real name now. If you're taking it back when I say that, I'll say that one more time. John Triangelo Barksdale. That is a pretty unusual name. You're not gonna, you're not gonna hear that going through the roster. You know, you hear Salinas, Marsh, Lacqui, Pajoli, Barksdale. You'd be, you'd be saying oh, Barksdale. Question, you'd be question mark at the end. Kind of peaks your ears. Yeah, without a doubt. And so I'm thinking this is this might be an alias here. Now, Martin, uh, you you did a little more in-depth research on this one. You happen to know what is John Triangelo Barksdale doing here, and why hasn't he contacted us back? I got I I contacted this guy over the phone. I'm I'm considering giving his phone number out. Well, let me just back up here and see and kind of give our fellow our listeners in on how we kind of came to find out about uh, Mr. Barksdale, and that is that I happened to just stumble across a sign posted on one of my favorite local trails uh, saying, you know, support the chameleon blockade. And I, uh, doing kind of my due digital diligence, uh, I decided to uh, look up the website and found out about um, this tree sitter in Capitol Forest trying to prevent a patch of 20 acres of old kind of older forest from being logged um had a kind of a set of demands and refused to leave until um the washington department of natural resources had met those demands so uh you know call it curiosity called a birder's curiosity Mm -hmm. just kind of came up here to find out what was going on and i i gotten like i said i contacted this guy I, I got I brought snacks up. You saw we, we had snacks. I brought snacks for for John. Um, where are you, John? We we want to talk with you. If we could. And and we do also want to put it out, especially if uh, Mr. Bartdale is listening, that we followed the Seattle Times article posted on the Chameleon Blockades website, which did indeed uh, feature a map of the location of um, of where Mr. Bartdale was supposedly to be found. 
Um, and we did our best to follow that, but we're unable to locate uh, the blockade. Sylvia, have you uh, heard of this story at all or know any updates? No, this is my first time hearing about it then. Oh, thank you. Uh, yes. Very oh. interesting. Oh, yes. what, uh, what kind of tasty uh, snacks did we bring for this? Yeah, um, gentlemen. I definitely I brought him uh, some uh, buffalo cauliflower. They're kind of, you know, because I'm thinking, okay, his name is John Triangelo Barksdale. So I, my instantly, my thought was, let's bring him, you know, so, so he's, you know, he's not exactly going to want a steak, you know, if you know what I mean. So I said to myself, I was thinking, uh, like, hey man, what do, what do I want to eat, man? I want something groovy. And so that's why I came in and I got some buffalo cauliflower for the guy. It seems like what you're saying, Jen, is this is kind of a Cheech and Chong situation. Yeah, that's what it sounds like to me. I it's, mean, is that, uh, you said it, not me. Zan, that, uh, that container of buffalo cauliflower, it, uh, it's looking a little, a little skimp there. Well, uh, is that I, how to much be it, honest. Is that how much it, it comes with? Or? No, well, here's the thing. We've, we've been searching all night for John, and he's not here. So I, I, start, I started eating the food. I just started eating the food. And Tim, let's not just call out Dan here, because uh, I believe that we have all actually kind of taken the cream off the top, uh, if, if you don't mind the expression, if I, you know. These buffalo um, cauliflower uh, wings, you call them. I got them from the co-op. They have a delicious, delicious um buffalo nut sauce that you dip the buffalo wings in and it's kind of like a blue cheese uh, all of it is vegan and um, forest friendly as they would say and in case people are wondering that's cauliflower and sunflower oil um and we're hungry so with that we're gonna take a break back uh we're going to be talking with our arctic turn expert actually this is a guy i met um in my um um i met him online in my in a chat group i frequent um that's actually about gaming it's it's unrelated to uh to birding although those two things are somewhat related um i'm not sure if uh anybody else out there games but i do know a lot of people do games so it is kind of some fun you do in your free time and I do have a fair amount of free time, so I do game quite a bit. And I have noticed that some people um, actually don't have very much free time. So when I go on the gaming boards, I usually just like talking to the people who are gaming. Um, I personally don't game. I just go on the gaming boards and I talk with other gamers on there. Uh, but I struck a conversation up with um, a screen name Arctic Turn. Uh, he's an, actually an Arctic Turn expert. And Tim, I know you're excited about talking about this bird, the Arctic Turn. You know, you, uh, you were telling me some pretty incredible stuff about what this bird is capable of. Yeah, I mean, the, the Arctic Terns, you know, they spend so much time at sea. Um, they have one of the longest migration routes of any bird species. They're, you know, they're really a, a very small bird, which, um, you know, makes all of those facts all the more impressive. Yeah, yeah. 
that's impressive. Well, what do you say we get uh, Arctic Turn on the line here, our Arctic Turn expert? Yeah, sounds good. Hello? Hello, Arctic Turn. Oh, hello. Hey, is this the Arctic Turn? Arctic Turn? This is. Hey, this is Zan Marsh. I'm just calling you, um, um... Martin Salinas here. We are thrilled to have you on uh, Avian Paragraph as a guest uh, expert on uh, one of our favorite birds we were actually just talking about, the uh, the Arctic Turn. Oh, I'm actually uh, not an expert. Really? Uh, that's not what you told me on the um, forum online. Oh, the Rennet? Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. Oh, I, I, I was just explaining the name choice. Oh, well, maybe I had a few things confused. Well, um, uh, is there, what, what is your, would you say, do you have any sort of, um, what, are, what are you up to now? So I'm in the middle of a stream, a charity stream on Twitch where we fly, we're flying materials uh, to various places in Venezuela and people come through and donate. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Uh, where are you flying to in your uh, um, on your stream? Uh, we're headed to a place called La Esmeralda, which is in Roraima, and we're uh, we're we're at cruising altitude right now in the Cessna two eight. It's so funny that you would bring that particular locale up because I do believe that is in the path of the Arctic Turn. Now, at cruising altitude, you may be a little high here, but um, in the event that you're ascending or descending, do you ever kind of come across Arctic Turns, at least uh, while flying? Just trying to kind of help Zan redeem this section of the episode. Uh... I, I imagine I, I may have passed a few along the way. I don't. Uh, they don't really appear in the in the simulation. You don't see any birds in the simulation. Uh, you can see like uh, there's there's wildlife markers where you can you know discover like flocks of flamingos and things like that. But well, we on Avian Paragraph we do actually like to go into birds a little bit more than just flamingos and penguins. Uh, so you know if. Kind of jumping in here, I just want to let you know that this isn't the shallow end of the pool when it comes to birds. Uh, so we do welcome you on the show, but just kind of want to remind you that you are in the deep end. Oh, I'm in the deep end. Is there um, anything? Someone the big fish. Since you have, um, since you do have, uh, Tim Luckley's actually kind of a pro on birds. Do you have any birdie, bird, uh, birding related questions you'd like to ask him or? Well, uh, uh, I don't know. I didn't really put a lot of thought into it. Is Tim joining uh, us today? You could, uh, yeah, he's. Oh, he's, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm right here, Arctic Turn. Oh, buddy, how's it going? Oh, it's it's going great. It's uh, it's great to hear from you. Yeah. Well, you know, you are, um, you are, you are, uh, simulating a flight, um, birds also fly, and I, you, some might even argue that, uh, birds maybe were the, the inspiration to the engineering of, uh, aircraft by, uh, early aerospace engineers, so, um, 
You know, there, there is a there is a link there somewhere. Well, how high does the when when an Arctic when an Arctic turn is migrating? How high does it fly? There's a good uh, question. There. Wow, Arctic turn! I uh, I think you uh, caught me with my pants down there. Do you, do you know the answer? I do not actually. Oh, okay. Well, we'll have to look that up after the show. But thank you um, for being on the show. Um, now, do you think that maybe aerodynamics, uh, the wings of a plane, do you ever feel like a bird when you're flying up there? Uh, yeah, sometimes. I, I think the freedom of being able to go in a straight line from point A to point B is kind of something I always dreamed about, you know, instead of being tied down to the roads or whatever. Yeah. You know, in the bird community, we call it as the crow flies. And I just want to leave your Arctic turn with um with this with this burning fact kind of kind of crosses over into the airplane world. You could say as the turn is that uh you know excuse me Sam the uh you know the highest location that a bird was ever actually noted was uh, at about thirty five thousand feet, and that was because a Rubel's griffin, which is kind of like a vulture. Uh, collided with an airliner, just kind of sucked into its engines, uh, the jet engines there, at 35,000 feet. So next time, Arctic Turn, you are indeed taking that trip over the Himalayas. Just kind of keep your eyes peeled for uh, Rubel's Griffin. I just kind of brighten your day, um, widen your horizons, and show you something new. Um, and Zane, unless you have anything else, I thought maybe we could let uh, the Arctic Turn kind of take us out to commercial break. Has, has that ever happened to you, what Martin said, uh, Arctic Turn? Has I ever run into a bird? No, I've never run into a bird on on the simulator. No. Thank you. Uh, could you take us out on a break? What's that? Um, this has been Avian Paragraph. Thank you so much for having uh, yourself on the show, and we'd love to have you back um, if you think of anything you would like to ask us in terms of birds or anything birding related obviously today we found out you don't really have much to do with birds um you're not your interest doesn't lie in birds but yeah, it's okay <laughs> yeah uh yeah thanks for having me on i'd be happy to come back on another time Wow, man, that was kind of an illuminating discussion. I know that it wasn't as bird-related bird uh, as we thought it might have been, but um, good to, to hear uh, uh, an interesting perspective on aircraft and travel um, and Arctic Turn. Yeah, that's, um, you know, that's a, that's a great cause that, you know, Arctic Turn is uh, running these simulations for, and, you know, we wish him the best. I hope he, you know, I hope his... Uh, his charity run does does great tonight. Um, a lot's going on in Venezuela, and quite yeah. frankly, we need uh, people out there who are willing to help. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. <laughs> that was kind of like a Looney Tunes sort of deal there. I'm gonna, I'm gonna. You know that pig at the end of the uh, Looney Tunes episodes would say something like, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna." But um, I'm getting back to more serious note. I'm gonna put his um, information in the show notes so people can perhaps reach out to him, check out what he's doing, and. 
and uh, think about um, donating to help uh, little Venezuelan um, uh, help out there. Which, you know, yeah, certainly, even though he wasn't a birding expert, I think someone using a flight simulator video game to raise funds to dismantle some of the legacy of the neocolonial policies in South America that have really decimated, I think, right now, especially Venezuela, something we can, we can all get behind. Yeah, yeah. And we'll be right back. This is Zan's Bird Book of the Week. If you haven't heard it now, uh, you're going to hear it now. Um, it's my bird, Birding Book of the Week. And my Birding Book of the Week is on falconry at the United States Air Force Academy. Uh, this was published by Fulcrum Publishing back in 1994. Um, so it's kind of an older book. It is an interesting book. I thought it was particularly interesting. This book was printed in China, um, which is a book. They sell these types of books that I uh, actually went to uh, JBLM where I got this book uh, on the Air Force Academy um, and uh, it's pretty cool um, but I saw printed in China I was thinking this um, shouldn't this be printed in the United States it's the United States uh, Air Force so I was just thinking of that and um, it's written by A.P. Clark who was a West Point graduate actually he served in the um, German POW camps during World War II. Um, also, uh, he's won quite a few medals. Um, he recommended reading the book The Goshawk as well. Um, it's sort of an adventure story about a man training a hawk, which gives sort of insights insights into the feelings of uh, falconeers. Um, I, I gotta say, I actually wasn't familiar. This is kind of riveting to me because I didn't realize that there was kind of this crossover of the bird world and. United States Air Force. So I'm looking forward to hearing more about this book. This is yeah a lot better than your kind of um, when you just sort of kind of toss Sibley's out last week. Well, I know you were ta you were when I was talking about Sibley's, you were talking about putting an app on, which is a segment about books. So let's stick to books. But um, this book was kind of interesting. It said apparently these falcons put on little hats and they blinds the falcons. Um, and then um, I found out that actually one of these falcons died, um, the first falcon of the U.S. military. His name was uh, Duty, um, and Duty died. Duty died actually on his on his first uh, on his first flight. Um, he was uh, unfortunately struck by lightning. Uh, so it was unfortunate, but the legacy is uh, always covered in blood. Uh, but um, it, it does serve to protect, and we like that here. And um, uh, Tim, uh, now have you ever heard of the, uh, got any insights into this falconry thing? I know it's a little different than, than birding and putting something on eBird. It's a little more tactile, you got to hold on to the birds. You've done some bird banding, so any, any similarity there? Um, I would say there's similarities between falconry and bird banding. Um, really start and begin with the fact that you do have to catch a bird and then, um, you know, 
hold on to it. Sure. Uh, and then you uh, let, let it go, go again. again. Yeah, that's. But that's, uh, uh, I, I will say, say I have participated in um, some falconry before, and well, really, it, it was uh, a friend of mine back in my uh, college days. He was apprenticing with a falconer. Um, and so, you know, he, he started out, he caught a little house sparrow, um, and kind of trained, trained this little guy to, uh, you know, sit on his shoulder, he would fly around his apartment, um, you know, just to, just to get a feel for what it's like to train a bird. Um, but then eventually he moved up and was able to catch a juvenile red-tailed hawk. Yeah. And so, you know, a hawk is a booty it's not, um... Not quite, quite a falcon, but same. Not all hawks are booties. Uh, yes, but a but a red-tailed hawk is, um, which is the bird that I just said. Um, so you know, you both both just said a word. I would say said bootyo, and I was saying booty booty what? You know, because what is what? Well, I'm not sure. I never heard of this term before. Uh, that is the the name for the. Uh, family of raptors that the red-tailed hawk is in also includes other raptors like the rough-legged hawk, red-shouldered hawk, frog-winged hawk, yeah, etc. Now another way to say that is, is that the videos are kind of the soaring hawks, whereas the occipiters are the hawks you'll find uh, maybe flying through shrubs, through the forest, uh, kind of a, just a behavioral distinction rather than just a list. Got it. Yeah, that, uh, you know, kind of, kind of, uh, distracts from the, the story I wouldn't quite finish telling, um, so, yeah, thanks for that interruption, but, anyways, if I can get back to it, um, he, uh, this gentleman, uh, was able to capture and train this red-tailed hawk, and, uh, so we went out to a, an old abandoned quarry, um, sort of spooky. It, it was spooky, spooky and, uh, you know, reminding me, it is almost Halloween, just right. uh, in case any of the listeners out there were wondering. You were telling me earlier you were going to give us a little taste of the uh, in your Tim Tall Birding Tales segment uh, of some scary story, huh? Yeah, well, let's, uh, let's finish this story first before we start talking about other stories. Well, uh, when you get to telling your stories, I'm thinking... When's, When's the, the next story? story? Yeah. So I'm not. We'll, a, we'll, we'll get, get there. Oftentimes we'll get there. I find myself not, not listening to the story you're telling because I'm anticipating another story, and I'm excited to hear the the next story. Well, you know, it's it's kind of hard to listen to a story when you're uh, talking over it. So um, if I may continue, sure, sure. Uh, we uh, so he he had trained this juvenile red-tailed hawk up um, to, you know, he kept it in a little box and would would let it go and it would you know stay fairly close to him and so we went out to this old quarry uh, and we grabbed these big sticks and we just started whacking uh, every bush we could find thank god it was the hawk that's where my mind went <laughs> oh yeah you can say that again well, thank you for that great um anyways moral of the story is uh, we were able to uh, spook out a cute little bunny rabbit um, and the hawk swooped down and uh, and uh, was able to uh, 
We're nearly, actually nearly, out of time. So thank nearly, you very much for that story, Tim. And we'll be hearing more about from Tim with his Tim's Tall Birding Tales of the Week. And we'll be right back. This is Mert Salinas here in beautiful San Juan County. And I'm here in a birder's prison. You may ask how I got put here. And I'll simply say that it is a prison because there are so many birds in this wetland that I find myself unable to leave. Truly a delight. All right, back uh, to Avian Paragraph. Uh, it is the Halloween season here in uh, late October. Um, What's your favorite candy, Tim? I'm gonna stop you right there, sorry. Favorite candy? Um, you know, I, uh, I think I would have to go with... Uh, I'm a salted nut roll guy. Salted nut roll. I was gonna say uh, circus peanuts. Well, I'm gonna stop you both there and just say that you're on Avian Paragraph. Um, we love peeps. That's that's a good point. Peeps are bird related. Yeah, more of a more of an Easter treat, though. Wouldn't you say? Uh, yeah. This is Halloween after all. Once a year. Well, you know, I, I guess I'm a little surprised that. Um, maybe neither of you do this, but I actually, at Easter, I buy all of my Halloween candy, um, I, and I save it, uh, and then give it out on Halloween. I'm not sure the kids would uh, appreciate that, right? Might be a little stale. Yeah, what's the, the shelf life on a package of those peeps? I think it's, I'm not sure, we're, we're not going to go into that any further, but... Uh, Tim, go on, please, uh, Bird and Tail was, was very interesting, but again, I found myself... Preoccupied with wondering what the next story is going to be, which is what I always catch myself doing. Well, uh, that's interesting because I, I don't recall even starting my story before you two interrupted. So, um, if you if you'd let me, I would love I would love to continue. I would love that as well. Are you sure about that? Oh, of course. Of course. All right. Well, anyways. Um, as it is kind of the uh, spooky late autumn season, I, I I thought I'd tell a tell a tale that uh, fit with the theme. So uh, here I go. Thank you. So a few years ago, um, I decided uh, it was right around the same time of year as uh, as right now, late October. I decided to go out um, for a nice morning of birding out at uh, Mima, Mima Mounds uh, Natural Area Preserve, uh, owned by and managed by Washington Department of Natural Resources. Um, this particular morning, uh, it was just just dense fog. Uh, you could, you know, could not see. I mean, twenty. 30 meters in front of you at the most, um, as far as you can see. So, uh, I took, you know, one of the little footpaths there. You can, uh, walk at the preserve and, uh, I started walking out into the, uh, open prairie and, you know, before I knew it, I was, uh, I was just out, surrounded, nothing but, uh, 
climbing mounts and fog. Um, and, you know, I, I looked at the map. Uh, I knew this trail kind of looped around. And uh, so I figured I would just keep following the trail. And eventually I'd make my way back in my car at the parking lot. Well, I walked, which, you know, it, I, I looked at my watch after walking for quite some time and um, realized that, you know, several hours had passed. It's only a, a, maybe a mile loop at the most, and uh, I, you know, started to feel very disoriented. Um, it was, you know, all I could see in any direction was just fog and the, the mounded landscape. Um, so... At this point, um, yeah, no, I, I decided to pull open my uh, my mapping program on my on my smartphone uh, to try to look at my GPS coordinate, figure out where exactly I was, and uh, it, I I did not have any. I was not picking up any satellites where I where I was. Um, so I, you know, figured I would just continue walking, and um, you know. Many hours had passed, and I uh, I was still just walking through a foggy map landscape, um, and uh, I, I started to panic. Um, I was losing track of time, space. Uh, I had no idea where I was. Um, and to make things even worse, I had not even seen a single bird at that point. Where were the birds? I mean, you know. Being lost is bad enough as it is, but being lost and not even not even a, a meadowlark, I mean, that, <laughs> I would say that might even be worse. Um, but then I noticed a uh, kind of a shadow stirring about in the fog, um, and out of nowhere, what they call the Great Ghost adult male northern harrier starts flying straight towards me and I mean this thing was huge uh, gray black winged hips white underneath and just piercing eyes wingspan? Uh, at least you know a couple feet uh, that, you know harriers are not particularly large raptors this this thing seemed massive and it was it came straight at me on this particular episode given that we have been owling and the northern harrier if i'm not mistaken has the most owl-like face of any hawk that's right martin so this this gray ghost flew right at me um coming right at me and then uh, you know, I, I blacked out, and when I, when I came to, I was, uh, you know, maybe only 30 yards from the trailhead out at my mountains reserve, um, fog was gone, just a clear autumn day, um, people walking around, and, uh, you know, the only thought I had was, uh, should I record that on Ebert? And did you wind up recording it? Uh, you know, I uh, I'd have to look back and remember. I, I think I was so 
so shocked from what had occurred that, uh, you know, frankly, I might have been too scared to report it. There is a potential you may um, have low blood pressure. I would potentially uh, contact a doctor to get a look at that. And if we have any doctors listening to this episode, do feel free to write us with any uh, medical recommendations, prescriptions, um, uh, or kind of any other help that you might be able to offer to and then, and any uh, any representatives from eBird.org, I would love to hear. Um, should you report ghost birds? I'm gonna go ahead and get Tim's uh, blood pressure and put that in the show notes for y'all. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Scratch Door of Door Sheds, and I'm here to talk to you today about what else? Sheds. When my father blocked door started door sheds. He told me, Grudge, make sure you put your heart into it. And I'm here to tell you that is just what I continue to do every day, is put my heart in your shed. Are you tired of the tough sheds? Or has your key to matter fallen into disrepair? Or perhaps your suncast has an early set? Then make sure to check our shed color swatches with your current shed to see if we can't create one of our new quasi-sheds, which incorporates a new shed with an already existing structure. And remember, one door, four walls, one heart, one structure, but your shed. This has been Garage Door of Door Sheds. Have a good day. Okay, okay, we're back, back. Okay, with uh, the, the final segment, segment and, and um, definitely, definitely is a segment. segment. Uh, Mind, Mind of the Bird with Martin Salinas. Salinas. Everybody knows, knows and loves him. And he sure is hard to get to the bottom of when it comes to this Mind of a Bird. What bird are you going to be in the mind of today? Well, Dan, uh, I thought for an outing special here, um, out at 9 p.m. An owl. You got it. And indeed, um, I am going to uh, go ahead and okay. um, be getting into the mind of uh, a barred owl. Definitely, definitely. Okay, so let's, let's have it.
very good. Well, thank you for um, again doing that. Uh, so we're going to have to call it a day, uh, or call it a night. This is AP After Dark, um, so it is nighttime. Uh, this is Zan Marge. This is Zan Marsh. I'm your host here uh, with AV Paragraph, and um, as always, uh, hope you all are doing well. Um, with me today, our guests were Martin Salinas. Hey, it was a really wonderful time to be here, Zan. And I just have to say, uh, owling is uh, quite a hoot. Yeah. <laughs> See, I thought I thought where you were going to go with that is get out there and go owl, but you took it to a different direction, and I kind of liked it, honestly. So, kudos to you. Tim, uh, good to see you, as always. Hey, it's, uh, it's always a pleasure to be here, Dan. Oh, it's a pleasure to have you here. And, uh, Sylvia, thank you so much for uh, an interesting perspective. Thank you for having me, Dan. Yeah, of course, you're welcome. And uh, you all out there, tuck yourselves in, nighty-night, because it's bedtime. And it's, you're up past your bedtime, so you're going to... You've been very bad naughty, so go to bed. Goodbye. This production is produced, written, and directed by Zamarsh with help from Timothy Lecky and Martin Salinas. Our theme music and some other sound were arranged and composed by Zan Marsh, with special segments by Martin Salinas, and editing assistance by Anna Glover. Today's guest was the Arctic Earth. Music and sound contributions include work by Kevin McLeod, Black Lizard 77, Florian Decros, Prometheus 888, Joe Deshaun, J.A. Pinto, Carolist, Underwish, E.R.H., Timbray, Jessica Dink, Marshawn 11, Ben Bonkin, Susanako, Gopalkaduri, Ndropnik, Philip Gross, Ludwig Sreischik, Robin Hood 76, Tech Studios, and the Levitz. i